Welcome to the doctrine of justification by faith through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ explained, confirmed, and vindicated by Dr. John Owen. We will be continuing to read from page 103 for this reading. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts, are on the web at www.swrb.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon. As the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, Give yourselves to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works, especially the Puritanic writers and expositions of the Bible. The best way for you to spend your leisure is to be either reading or praying. And now, to SWRB's reading of the doctrine of justification by faith through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ, explained, confirmed, and vindicated, which we hope you will find to be a great blessing, and which we pray draws you nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ. For He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come unto the Father but by Him. John 14, verse 6. Lug de Blanc, in his reconciliatory endeavors on this article of justification, grants unto the Papists that the word dekao does, in sundry places of the New Testament, signify to renew, to sanctify, to infuse a habit of holiness or righteousness, according as they plead. And there is no reason to think but he has grounded that concession on those instances which are most pertinent unto that purpose. Neither is it to be expected that a better countenance will be given by any unto this concession than is given it by him. I shall therefore examine all the instances which he insists upon unto this purpose, and leave the determination of the difference unto the judgment of the reader. Only I shall premise that which I judge not an unreasonable demand, namely, that if the signification of the word in any or all the places which he mentions should seem doubtful unto any, as it does not unto me, that the uncertainty of a very few places should not make us question the proper signification of a word whose sense is determined in so many wherein it is clear and unquestionable. The first place he mentions is that of the Apostle Paul himself, Romans chapter 8 verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestine them, he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. The reason whereby he pleads that by justified in this place, an internal work of the inerrant holiness in them that are predestined is designed, is this and no other. It is not, says he, likely that the holy apostle in his enumeration of gracious privileges would omit the mention of our sanctification, by which we are freed from the service of sin and adorned with the true internal holiness and righteousness. But this is utterly omitted, 
if it be not comprised under the name and title of being justified. For it is absurd with some to refer it unto the head of glorification. Answer number one. The grace of sanctification, whereby our natures are spiritually washed, purified, and endowed with a principle of life, holiness, and obedience unto God, is a privilege unquestionably great and excellent, and without which none can be saved. Of the same nature also is our redemption by the blood of Christ. And both these does this apostle in other places without number declare, commend, and insist upon, but that he ought to have introduced the mention of them, or either of them in this place, seeing he has not done so, I dare not judge. Number two, if our sanctification be included or intended in any of the privileges here expressed, there is none of them, predestination only accepted, but it is more probable to be reduced unto, than unto that of being justified. Indeed, in vocation, it seems to be included expressly. For whereas it is effectual vocation that is intended, wherein a holy principle of spiritual life or faith itself is communicated unto us, our sanctification radically, and as the effect in it adequate immediate cause is contained in it. Hence, we are said to be called to be saints, Romans chapter 1 verse 7, which is the same with being sanctified in Christ Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2, and in many other places is sanctification included in vocation. Number 3. Whereas our sanctification in the infusion of a principle of spiritual life, and the acting of it unto an increase in duties of holiness, righteousness, and obedience, is that whereby we are made meet for glory, and is of the same nature essentially with glory itself, whence it advances in us are said to be from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 And glory itself is called the grace of life. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7 It is much more properly expressed by our being glorified than by being justified, which is a privilege quite of another nature. However, it is evident that there is no reason why we should depart from the general use and signification of the word, no circumstance in the text compelling us to do so. The next place that he gives up unto this signification is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That by justification here, the infusion of an inerrant principle of grace, making us inerrantly righteous, is intended. He endeavors to prove by three reasons. Number one, because justification is here ascribed unto the Holy Ghost. Ye are justified by the Spirit of our God. But to renew us is the proper work of the Holy Spirit. Number two, it is manifest, he says, that by justification the apostle does signify some change in the Corinthians, whereby they cease to be what they were before. For they were fornicators and drunkards, such as could not inherit the kingdom of God, but now are changed, which proves a real inerrant work of grace to be intended. Number three, if justification here signify nothing but to be absolved 
from the punishment of sin, then the reasoning of the apostle will be infirm and frigid. For after he has said that which is greater, his heightening of it, he adds the less. For it is more to be washed than merely to be freed from the punishment of sin. Answer number one. All these reasons prove not that it is the same to be sanctified and to be justified, which must be if that be the sense of the latter which is here pleaded for. But the apostle makes an express distinction between them, and, as this author observes, proceeds from one to another by an assent from the lesser to the greater. And the infusion of a habit or principle of grace or righteousness evangelical whereby we are inerrantly righteous, by which he explains our being justified in this place, is our sanctification, and nothing else. Yea, and sanctification is here distinguished from washing. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. So as that it peculiarly in this place denotes positive habits of grace and holiness, neither can he declare the nature of it any way different from what he would have expressed by being justified. Number two, justification is ascribed unto the Spirit of God as the principal efficient cause of the application of the grace of God and blood of Christ, whereby we are justified unto our souls and consciences. And he is so also of the operation of that faith, whereby we are justified. Whence, although we are said to be justified by him, Yet it does not follow that our justification consists in the renovation of our natures. Number three, the change and mutation that is made in these Corinthians, so far as it was physical and effects inerrant, as such there was, the apostle expressly ascribes unto their washing and sanctification, so that there is no need to suppose this change to be expressed by their being justified. And in the real change asserted, that is, in the renovation of our natures, consists the true entire work and nature of our sanctification. But whereas, by reason of the vicious habits and practices mentioned, they were in a state of condemnation, and such as had no right unto the kingdom of heaven, they were, by their justification, changed and transferred out of that state into another, wherein they had peace with God and right unto eternal life. Number four. The third reason proceeds upon a mistake, namely, that to be justified is only to be freed from the punishment due unto sin. For it comprises both the non-imputation of sin and the imputation of righteousness, with the privilege of adoption and right unto the heavenly inheritance, which are inseparable from it. And although it does not appear that the apostle in the enumeration of these privileges, did intend a process from the lesser unto the greater. Nor is it safe for us to compare the unutterable effects of the grace of God by Christ Jesus, such as sanctification and justification are, and to determine which is greatest and which is least. Yet, following the conduct of the scripture and due consideration of the things themselves, we may say that in this life, we can be made partakers of no greater mercy or privilege than what consists in our justification. And the reader may see from hence how impossible it is to produce any one place wherein the words justification and to justify 
do signify a real internal work in physical operation, in that this learned man, a person of more than ordinary perspicacity, candor, and judgment, designing to prove it, insisted on such instances as give so little countenance unto what he pretended. He adds, Titus chapter 3, verses 5 to 7, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior, that, being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The argument which he alone insists upon to prove that by justification here an infusion of internal grace is intended is this, that the apostle affirming first that God saved us according unto his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost and afterwards affirming that we are justified by his grace, he supposes it necessary that we should be regenerate and renewed that we may be justified. And if so, then our justification contains and comprises our sanctification also. Answer. The plain truth is, the Apostle speaks not one word of the necessity of our sanctification, or regeneration, or renovation by the Holy Ghost, antecedently unto our justification. A supposition whereof contains the whole force of this argument. Indeed, he assigns our regeneration, renovation, and justification all the means of our salvation, all equally unto the grace and mercy in opposition unto any works of our own, which we shall afterwards make use of. Nor is there intimated by him any order of precedency or connection between the things which he mentions, but only between justification and adoption. Justification having the priority and order of nature that being justified by his grace, we should be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. All the things he mentions are inseparable. No man is regenerate or renewed by the Holy Ghost, but withal he is justified. No man is justified, but withal he is renewed by the Holy Ghost. And they are all of them equally of sovereign grace in God, in opposition unto any works of righteousness that we have wrought. And we plead for the freedom of God's grace in sanctification, no less than in justification. But that it is necessary that we should be sanctified, that we may be justified before God, who justifies the ungodly, the apostle says, not in this place, nor in anything to that purpose. Neither yet, if he did so, would it at all prove that the signification of that expression, to be justified, is to be sanctified, or to have inerrant holiness and righteousness wrought in us. And these testimonies would not have been produced to prove it, wherein these things are so expressly distinguished, but that there are none to be found of more force or evidence. The last place wherein he grants the signification of the word dikaio is Revelations chapter 22, verse 11. Ha dikaios dikaiotheto eti non-English words, which place is pleaded by all the Romanists. And our Arthur says they are but few among the Protestants who do not acknowledge that the word cannot be used here in a forced sense, but that to be justified is 
to go on and increase in piety and righteousness. Answer. But, parentheses number one, there is a great objection lies in the way of any argument from these words, namely, from the various reading of the place. For many ancient copies read not ha dekaios dekaiotheto eti, which the vulgar renders, non-English words, but dekaiosunen poiesato eti. Let him that is righteous work righteousness still, as does the printed copy which now lies before me. So it was in the copy of the Compultensian edition, which Stevens commends above all others, and in one more ancient copy that he used. So it is in the Syrian and Arabic published by Hutterus, and in our own polyglot. So Cyprian reads the words, non-English words, and I doubt, but not, that it is the true reading of the place, Dekaiotheto, being supplied by some to comply with, Hagai Astheto that ensues. And this phrase, Dekaiasunen Poyen, is peculiar unto this apostle, being nowhere used in the New Testament, nor it may be in any other author, but by him. And he uses it expressly. First, E-P-I-S-T period, chapter 2, verse 29, and chapter 3, verse 7, where these words, ha Poion, dik iasunain, dik ias sd, do plainly contain what is here expressed. Parentheses number two. To be justified, as the word is rendered by the vulgar, let him be justified more, as it must be rendered if the word dik iotheto be retained, respects an act of God which neither in its beginning nor continuation is prescribed unto us as a duty, nor is capable of increase in degrees, as we shall show afterwards. Parentheses number three. Men are said to be dekaioi, generally from inerrant righteousness. And if the apostle had intended justification in this place, he would not have said ha dekaios, but ha dekaiothes. All which things prefer the Compultensian, Syrian, and Arabic before the vulgar reading of this place. If the vulgar reading be retained, no more can be intended but that he who is righteous should so proceed in working righteousness as to secure his justified estate unto himself and to manifest it before God and the world. Now, whereas the words Dekai'a'o and Dekai umai are used 36 times in the New Testament. These are all the places whereunto any exception is put in against their forsnick signification. And how ineffectual these exceptions are is evident unto any impartial judge. Some other considerations may yet be made use of and pleaded to the same purpose. Such is the opposition that is made between justification and condemnation. So is it, Isaiah chapter 50 verses 8 and 9, Proverbs chapter 17 verse 15, Romans chapter 5 verse 16 and 18, chapter 8 verse 33 and 34, and in sundry other places as may be observed in the preceding enumeration of them. 
Wherefore, as condemnation is not the infusing of a habit of wickedness into him that is condemned, nor the making of him to be inerrantly wicked who was before righteous, but the passing a sentence upon a man with respect unto his wickedness. No more is justification the change of a person from inerrant unrighteousness unto righteousness by the infusion of a principle of grace, but a sentential declaration of him to be righteous. Moreover, the thing intended is frequently declared in the scriptures by other equivalent terms, which are absolutely exclusive of any such sense as the infusion of a habit of righteousness. So the apostle expresses it by the imputation of righteousness without works. Romans chapter 4 verse 6 and 11. And calls it the blessedness which we have by the pardon of sin and the covering of iniquity in the same place. So, it is called reconciliation with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 and 10. To be justified by the blood of Christ is the same with being reconciled by his death. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath by him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. Reconciliation is not the infusion of a habit of grace, but the effecting of peace and love by the removal of all enmity and causes of offense. To save and salvation are used to the same purpose. He shall save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 is the same with by him all that believe are justified from all things from which they could not be justified by the law of Moses. Acts chapter 8 verse 39. That of Galatians chapter 2 verse 16, we have believed that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law is the same with Acts chapter 15 verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 By grace are ye saved through faith and not of works is so to be justified. So it is expressed by pardon or the remission of sins which is the effect of it. Romans chapter 4 verse 5 and 6 By receiving the atonement chapter 5 verse 11 Not coming into judgment or condemnation John chapter 5 verse 24 Blotting out sins and iniquities, Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25, Psalms chapter 51 verse 9, Isaiah chapter 44 verse 22, Jeremiah chapter 18 verse 23, Acts chapter 3 verse 19, casting them into the bottom of the sea, Micah chapter 7 verse 19, and sundry other expressions of an alike importance. The apostle declaring it by its effects says, Degaioi katastathe santai hoi poloi. Many shall be made righteous, 
Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Dikaios kathistatai. He is made righteous, who on a judicial trial in open court is absolved and declared righteous. And so it may be observed that all things concerning justification are proposed in the scripture under a juridical scheme or forcenic trial and sentence. As, parenthesis number one, a judgment is supposed in it, concerning which the psalmist prays that it may not proceed on the terms of the law. Psalms 143, verse 2. Parenthesis number two, the judge is God himself. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. Parenthesis number 3. The tribunal whereon God sits in judgment is the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18. Parenthesis number 4. A guilty person. This is the sinner who is hupadikas to theo. So guilty of sin as to be obnoxious to the judgment of God. To dekaiomatai to theu. Romans chapter 3 verse 19. Chapter 1, verse 32. Whose mouth is stopped by conviction. Parenthesis number 5. Accusers are ready to propose and promote the charge against the guilty person. These are the law. John chapter 5, verse 45. And conscience. Romans chapter 2, verse 15. And Satan also, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1, Revelations chapter 7, verse 10. Parenthesis number 6, the charge is admitted and drawn up in a handwriting in form of law and is laid before the tribunal of the judge in bar to the deliverance of the offender, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Parenthesis number 7, a plea is prepared in the gospel for the guilty person. And this is grace. Through the blood of Christ, the ransom paid, the atonement made, the eternal righteousness brought in by the surety of the covenant. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 25. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Parenthesis number 8. Hereunto alone the sinner betakes himself renouncing all other apologies or defensatives whatever. Psalms 130, verse 2 and 3. 143, verse 2. Job, chapter 9, verse 2 and 3. Chapter 42, verse 5 to 7. Luke, chapter 18, verse 13. Romans, chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. Chapter 5, verse 11 and verses 16 to 19, chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, verse 32, verse 33. Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 5 and 6. Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 13 to 15, chapter 10, verses 1 to 13. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 24. 1 John, chapter 1, verse 7. Other plea for a sinner before God, 
there is none. He who knows God and himself will not provide or betake himself unto any other. Nor will he, as I suppose, trust unto any other defense, were he sure of all the angels in heaven to plead for him. Parenthesis number 9. To make this plea effectual, we have an advocate with the Father, and he pleads his own propitiation for us. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Parenthesis number 10. The sentence hereon is absolution on the account of the ransom, blood, or sacrifice and righteousness of Christ, with acceptation unto favor as persons approved of God. Job chapter 33, verse 24. Psalms 32, verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 25. Chapter 8, verse 1, verse 33 and 34. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Of what use the declaration of this process and the justification of a sinner may be has been in some measure before declared. And if many did seriously consider that all these things do concur and are required unto the justification of every one that shall be saved, it may be. They would not have such slight thoughts of sin and the way of deliverance from the guilt of it as they seem to have. From this consideration did the apostle learn that terror of the Lord which made him so earnest with men to seek after reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 and 11 I had not so long insisted on the signification of the words in the scripture, but that a right understanding of it does not only exclude the pretenses of the Romanists about the infusion of a habit of charity from being the formal cause of our justification before God, but may also give occasion unto some to take advice into what place or consideration they can dispose their own personal and arid righteousness and their justification before Him. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more, at great discounts, are on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com by phone at 780-450-3730 by fax at 780-468-1096 or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue Edmonton AB Canada T6L 3T5. If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add at swrb.com or swrb at swrb.com with the word add in the subject line. SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list. So once you've sent us your email address, you'll be asked by email 
to confirm that you want to join our list using the email address you have supplied. Your email information will be kept confidential, and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrb at swrb.com with the word remove in the subject line. Once you are on our email list, you will be alerted to all the free Reformation resources, free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc., that SWRB makes available on the web, as well as, at times, to our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends. But we only authorize this as long as the full contents of the message including the header and trailer, is not altered in any way, and as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free. Thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading. And remember that Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 states, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 concludes, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you.